broke to the dark and flushed out the wonder of a light. And as you
Right now, I invite you to stand as one church, as one body, under one name, our great God. We're going to worship together as we respond to who God is and what he's done for us. He calls us by name. He made a way so we could come into his presence right here and right now. I was bare. I was buried beneath my shame. of weight it was my turn till I met you I was breathing but not alive all my failures I tried to hide it was my team till I met you. All right, church, are you guys ready? Let's sing it out. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. Hey. I will bow darkness into your glorious day. You called
We're going to shout it out this morning. It's one church and one body. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. But chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I wasn't orphan. Now you call me a citizen of hell.
church out together, declare this is true. Everyone today, right here, right now, I am chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Sing, I'm chosen. Psalm 100 reads, lift up a great shout of joy to the Lord. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. As you serve him, be glad and worship him. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping the Lord our God, for he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. 
Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you. And he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, praise Let's just sing that over and over this morning. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, praise our voices together as one and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing praise enter his gates with the password of praise and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. they sounded this morning. Give them a warm handshake, a high five, a hug. Make them feel welcome this morning before you find your seats. Welcoming place. So I'm going to invite our ushers forward at this time so we can receive 
a morning offering. It's a really important part of the service for those of us who are on mission with Orchard Hill Church to be able to contribute financially to that mission as a way for us to give thanks to God and worship God for all that he's doing here. And if you're a guest or visitor, please don't feel obligated to participate in this part of our service. Uh, we really want this morning's service to be a gift to you. Should we find out? Who all's in the room? I think we should. It looks like an amazing group of people. It does. It does a lot of people. I am wondering who's in the room that who is under 12 years old? Give us a shout. Yell out if you're under 12. If you're under 12. Oh, you guys could do better than that if you're under 12 years old. Let's hear you. Excellent. Very good. All right, how about if you are older than 75 and in the room? Let's hear you. <laughs> we have one person over than 75 right here. So <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, what about Hawkeye fans? Pretty good, pretty good. There better be some Panther fans in the room. Anybody? Nice. Yeah, there we go. Should we even bother with the third? I don't know. Cyclones right, fans. Cyclone fans. There's a few. There's We're a glad few you're here fans. too. Absolutely. <laughs> How about it? You're from the Grundy Center campus. Anybody from Grundy Center? All right. All, All right. right. Let's hear it from the Waverly campus. Nice. Way to oh, represent. Good Waverly representation. That's nice. Uh, I want to know if uh, there are any college students here today. Awesome. We are so glad that you're here, college students. I say it every time I'm up front, but the energy you bring back into the Cedar Valley with you is so much fun. You just feel it happen um, around town. So there are a couple of things we want to bring to your attention this morning. The first one is on all three of our campuses in Waverly, Grundy County, and Cedar Falls, we're offering a get-to-know membership experience. Uh, this is a, we feel like we've hit on a really great formula for people who have been around Orchard for like 25 years and have never become members or people that are brand new. Maybe it's your first Sunday. So you can go online at orchardhillchurch.org and uh, get registered for that group. It's an opportunity for you to really hear what uh, the heartbeat of Orchard Hill, why we do what we do, why we spend money on the things that we spend money on, why we hire the people that we hire, and it gives you a chance to ask some good questions. So, uh, Because the goal is we want you to be able to get involved, get connected here in a way that brings you life. And we think uh, Get to Know membership is a good next step to make that happen. So check out our website, orchestralchurch.org. You can find out about that. You can get signed up and come join us for one of those classes. They usually last three or four weeks, right? Four yep, weeks? four weeks. Four weeks. So come do that. College students, after this service, we have a college lunch. <laughs> yes. Walking tacos. Those of you who say it's tacos in a bag are at the end of the line. Okay, end so of the line. walking tacos for everybody else, and uh, they've moved that inside because there's a little bit of threat of rain, and it, that way it won't be muggy either. So we'll do that inside. Hey, we've been having a lot of fun the last few weeks with our greatest hits series, uh, where our teachers have kind of dusted off some of their greatest teachings of all time. We got a new teaching today that's not part of the greatest hits series, but we thought it would be fun to still do a greatest hits of kind of. Dave-isms. This is uh, Dave Bartlett's, uh, believe it or not, some of you aren't aware of this, this is uh, Dave Bartlett's last year on paid staff with Orchard Hill Church. He has gone to uh, part-time this year, and um, next year he's still going to be around, he's still going to be coaching us, he's still going to be part of the teaching team, but he will no longer be on paid staff. And so we thought, what better way to honor him this morning than to come with some of his 
favorite sayings that we have all heard several, several times, especially those who work with us. So, top 10 Davisms. Top 10 Davisms. And we can't even begin to explain what a huge impact Dave and Linda have had in our lives, um, in our ability to follow Jesus and learn what it means to be a human being in this world. So, these are given with so much love. Top 10. Number 10. If faith doesn't work at home, it doesn't work anywhere. Something you can just ground yourself in. That's right. These are all like great kernels of wisdom. Uh, One of the things that Dave likes to say is, uh, say more about that. Excellent counseling technique. And you hear him say, tell me more about that. Say more about that. I think he's really just trying to catch up with what's already been said. You know, I'm thinking, (laughs) but say more about that. Yes. Okay. uh, Eight and seven. Number eight is Bible before breakfast. Bible before breakfast, and I think another one that goes along with that is speed of the leader, speed of the pack. You know, what does it mean to us when we know that Dave opens up his Bible before breakfast? Powerful. Number seven, hurt people hurt people. Something that um, just makes us realize that when we're having a hard time in relationships, we shouldn't be surprised because there are a lot of hurt people in the world. Number uh, six, don't work harder than the person you're helping is willing to work. Sometimes people want help and they need to be able to work too, so don't work harder than they're willing to work. And that's a, that's a really sound advice there. And uh, number um, four, uh, that's exactly right. Only the way Dave says it is, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and like Carlos said last verse, sometimes you get that like three in a row. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. He can't quite say exactly. And so it's just exactly. And I love it. Love we it. love you, Dave. We love, I told you we'd have a little bit of fun, but we're laughing with you. Okay, we'll come back. To, we'll, this is a good one. Number five, because I think we skipped yes. one. Oh, uh, did I? Oh, okay. Yeah, it, this is so yes. important. Yes. doesn't matter if people like you. It only matters if they know you like them. Yep. And Jeff, Mickey, and I, like 40-something, starting in college ministry with like all cool college students, this was a lifeline it for was. us. If we can just convince people that we like them, we're going to be all right. Number three, uh, this one's for you, Jesus. And usually what he does is like he clenches his hands and then it's like he lets go and surrender. Clenches. This one's for you, Jesus. And like his pizza story, if you've ever heard his pizza story, right? He's making pizzas and he's just <laughs> letting go, letting go. And so, yeah. Okay, number two, this whole idea that there's two rails running through life, right? A rail of joy and celebration and often a, r- a rail of pain and grief and difficulty. And the number one Daveism, if you've been around this church, you've seen this video, and Dave is out in the middle of the cornfield with the farmers, and he gets out of the combine and says, it's amazing! <laughs> this tractor's amazing! This field's amazing! This project's amazing! It's amazing! <laughs> amazing is one of those amazing. words. Yeah, and uh, we want to invite Dave up uh, now to teach us, and, and there's a bonus one. Yeah. The bonus saying, uh, one of my favorite sayings is, yay God, with that fist pump, yay God. And um, this morning, we just really want to say, yay God, (laughs) for Dave Bartlett. Um, Over 30 years of serving our church, over 30 years of leading us, uh, 30 years of our friendship. We love you, Dave. Carla, you want to yeah. you want to pray for Dave in this morning? I think we got a little more clapping to yeah. do. It looks oh. like. <laughs> All right.
great. All right, that's enough. Dave can't take anymore. All right, I'll have you take your seats, and will you pray with me now? God, you are so good to us. You've created uh, this beautiful creation for us to dwell in that we just saw in the video. You've uh, created us in community so that we can learn from each other, so that we can lead next generations. You, uh, you love us, you forgive us, you heal us, you restore us. We're so thankful for your active, close, uh, you're so close, God, that you try to describe yourself as a breath that we can breathe in and mm. we can breathe out. Mm. And now as Dave comes, as Dave is here to share with us um, one of the guiding principles of his life, would you help all the people in the room, whether it's their first time, um, their first contact with Orchard Hill, or people who've been around here for 30, 40, 50 years, would you help us to listen carefully? Would you help us to let go and surrender the things, the pain, the grief, the difficulty uh, that so often gets in our way of taking a risk to take a next step towards you and your son? God, would you help us to release that? And for the people in the room that life's going really good and things are, um, things are following a trajectory that is planned, would you help us to pay attention, to pay attention to that breath that you want to breathe into our life. Thank you for Dave. Thank you for Dave and Linda and their ministry. And uh, thank you for the work that you're doing through Orchard Hill. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks. Thank you. So uh, this week on Tuesday, I went for a walk, and it was on one of the bike paths. And I ended up standing in the yard. We have a picture of this. Looking at the house that Linda and I started our, marriage, our married life at. This house is uh, on Rainbow Drive in Waterloo, and it's near a bike path. I just walked up, I stood in the yard, and I thought about 48 years ago, Lynn and I were 20 years old, we were college students, and we got married, and we moved into this house for the first year of our life. We actually moved up from the house when we went to a 10 by 50 foot mobile home had more square foot in the mobile home than in this little house. Uh, you go into the bathroom of this house, you better be pointed the right direction because there wasn't enough room to turn around. Uh, I stood in the yard and I asked myself this question. Could we have ever dreamed of what God has done in our life? And the answer was no. We could have never dreamed, Lynn and I, what God has done in our life. If we'd have dreamed the most amazing dreams we could have thought of, I could have never dreamed of standing here in front of two roomfuls of people on a Sunday. I couldn't have dreamed of this. Actually, Jeff's right. I can't say that word exactly. And I was in speech class my four, first four years of school. Speech class, trying to speak in a way people could understand. And here I am. Who would guess this? Um, who would guess that um, I would have the privilege of impacting people spiritually for 45 years of ministry, 33 years in the same church in my hometown? Who would guess that? Who would guess that Linda would have the ability to minister to young moms and help young moms for 30 years and help them encourage their families? Who would guess? 
Who would guess that I could have the children and the grandchildren I have and get the joy from that? I wouldn't have guessed it. It wouldn't have been in my dream. The same thing is true for us as a church. I've been reflecting on our 55 years of being a church, and I've re- we've had plans and strategies and dreams, but at the end of each year, when we look back, there's so much that God does that we could have never dreamed. For instance, we could not have dreamed that Orchard would be a church with three campuses. If you just tapped me on the shoulder uh, 20 years ago and said, hey, we're going to be a church with three campuses or more, no, I wouldn't have had that dream. We would have never dreamed about our tripod ministry where we're able to help young women from different cultures come together and uh, learn about Jesus and make pies and learn to work and have a social enterprise that actually works. We couldn't have dreamed of that. We could not have dreamed of a ministry with Nazareth Lutheran Church, with junior high, high school, and college ministries, where two churches walked together in youth ministry for more than 30 years. That does not happen in this world. But God did it. We could not have dreamed of this day uh, coming to you and I, having hundreds of college students join us, When we started a college ministry 40 years ago, and the first week, we probably had two college kids in the door. We could not have dreamed of bringing our church to the campus, and it's things God has done. For years, first in student ministry and then in our church, I have been teaching that we as people need to dream our best dream, and then we need to dream it again and again and again, and we need to dream it clearly. And we need to pack it with emotion. We need to see it in color. We need to have specifics. What do you want your life to be like in five or ten years from today? What's the dream? Who do you want to be with? Where do you want to live? What do you want to be doing? What does your work and recreation look like? What hobbies and technologies are you enjoying? What meaningful work are you doing to make a difference in the world? Who do you want to be inside in 10 years. Now, I realize, because I've had conversations in restaurants the last three or four weeks with some of our leaders, and I real about this teaching, and I realize that some of you don't like the word dream. So I'm going to give you permission to use a different word. Some of you would rather say, instead of dream your best dream, you'd rather say, uh, write your best plan or set your best goals. So while I'm talking about a dream up here, some of you concrete people who want to go, okay, I'm I'm not thinking dream, I'm thinking goals, I'm thinking plans. You have my permission, do that. Because it's really close to the same thing. And I'm not saying write down the American dream. Bigger house, nicer car, easier life, comfortable furniture, more vacation trips. That's fine. That's not the dream I'm talking about. I'm saying be very thoughtful about stewarding this one and only life that you've been given as a gift from God. Dream what kind of a difference you can make in this world. Dream a serious dream that would honor God with this one and only life you've been given. 30 years ago, our church leadership read a book that really, really impacted our leadership and me. The book was called To Dream Again. And the point of the book was this. We have a slide on this. The point of the book was every organization, every business, every church begins with a dream. Every single one uh, gathers people, tells them the dream, starts to have impact, and starts to grow. 
And so it grows and grows and grows, and as they add people and add impact pretty soon, the, the organization, because the dream gets foggy, starts to plateau. And it plateaus and it plateaus, and after it plateaus long enough, it begins to decline. And if left in decline long enough, it dies. We see churches dying every week now in the United States. Part of it is this dream. And so the book said real clearly, hey, here's what you have to do again. You have to dream again. So we have our next slide. Here's the dream. And then right when you get to plateau, you just dream again. And when you get to plateau, you dream again. And when you get to plateau, you dream again. You have a new dream that brings energy to the church, the business, the organization. So we have church have learned to do this when we plateau. In fact, we do it almost annually. We've had long-range planning and strategic plans and annual goals. Jeff will be introducing in the Cedar Falls campus this Tuesday night at our big ministry huddle. He'll be introducing this year's focus and reminding us of, of, the, of the goals we're chasing down. And at Grundy, you have that same meeting, I think, on Thursday night. Um, and we have a one-page this is actually the Orchard Dream. You'll, you'll see this. It's around a lot of places. It's our mission, our strategies, our outcomes, and our values. It's who we're going to be. I get so excited about that page because it gives us the new dream. It keeps us from stagnating. I've also learned during the past 30 years, this is what I bring specifically for you today, that people have to do this. I must personally dream again and again and again. I must dream before I lose focus on the current dream in my life. I must have a new dream. Some of you have experienced outrunning your dream. I've had several people between the services come to me and say, Dave, that's me. I've outrun my dream. I don't know what I'm after. I, I've outrun my dream. One of my long-term dreams was to raise my kids well into adulthood. And then they grew up and they left. It's like, whoa, now what am I doing? One of my dreams was to partner with staff and leadership and build a prevailing church, and now I'm retiring. One of my dreams was to invest for good and for God in the lives of my children and grandchildren. I'm still on that dream. So what I want to say to you this morning is this. Ask God to help you dream again. Be thoughtful. Be prayerful. Ask God to help you dream again. And then write it down. There's a reason to write it down. It makes it clearer. It lets you review it. It lets you come back to it. Write it down. I've got mine. And then surrender it to God. And say, God, you help me write this. Let me surrender it to you. And then put it in a drawer somewhere. Put it in a drawer. After you've asked God to write it down, surrender it to God. Now, don't chase the dream. Chase God. Surrender your dream and all the areas of your life, your time, your energy, your profession, your money, your family, your friendships. Surrender them all to Jesus. Follow him with intensity. Keep your eyes on him. Don't chase the dream. Question. Well, Dave, why am I going to write the dream and put it in a drawer if I'm going to chase, chase, chase Jesus? What's the purpose of the dream then? Here's the purpose of the dream. 
It gives clarity and focus and guide rails to your life. And it's a lot easier to know what you're surrendering to Jesus than just having a big fog. And uh, it helps me be clear and decide where the money and time and effort of my life goes. Now, stay with me. In two, five, or ten years, go back to the drawer, pull out your dream. Here's the question. Would my life be better if, and would I be happier with where I am if I follow the dream or if I chase Christ? Which one would give me the life I want? Which one would give me more life? And here's what I believe. I believe the scriptures teach clearly, and I believe my experience and my observation of other people is that with these two choices, I will have a lot more life. I will be a lot more fulfilled. My life will have more purpose and many good surprises as I chase Christ rather than this dream that still is important. It's like the dream is important, but Jesus is most important. Your life will exceed your dream in many important ways when you put Jesus first. So have the dream for sure. Let it give you direction, but then surrender it to God and expect God to surprise you in some ways. Here's the verse. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, you could put in the words, chase their dream. Whoever wants to chase their dream will lose their life. The deep meaning, the purpose. But whoever surrenders their dream to follow me will find it. Isn't that just like God? Surrender the dream, chase him, and what do you find? You find life. Jesus is talking about being a shepherd in the next verse. And uh, he's saying this, he's talking, he's saying to his disciples, hey, you guys are like sheep, I'm the shepherd, here's how it works. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. There's a force for darkness. There's a personal darkness. There's a darkness in our broken world. There's a darkness in you called sin. And it says the thief, that darkness, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then it says this, Jesus says, but I came to give you life and give it to you to the full. Now, I just need to say one thing. This is not what you might hear on TV called the prosperity gospel, where we give God something so we can get more back. That is not what this is. It's not a gospel that says we give God so that he'll enrich us. No. This is, in fact, just the opposite. Put down your dream, pick up your cross, follow Jesus, and then he'll add joy and purpose and meaning to your life you're not going to get any other way now hear me on this everyone needs a dream needs to dream again and again and then surrender the dream to god everyone every single person in this room if you're 11 years old and you're in here it would be great to practice a dream if you're 94 years old and you think you're too old to dream you're not 
If you're somewhere in between, it's time to dream again. If you are the picture of health, dream again. If your body is filled with disease and you think death is near, dream again. If your life feels like it couldn't be going better, you're totally successful, dream again. If you feel like your life is a complete and utter failure, dream again. Ask God to help you discover a dream worthy of your life. And then make Jesus more important. The dream is important. Jesus is most important. Now, I've been dreaming again for 20 years, actually more than 20 years. And every year, I have this ongoing 10-year dream. It's actually the paper I put in the drawer. This year, it has 19 things on it. These are my dreams. This is if the best I can imagine, the things I care about most deeply. And each year, I revise the dream. I put it in a notebook. And each year, I surrender it to God. And I decide to intensely chase Jesus and not chase the dream. So I've been doing this for a long time. But here's what I've discovered. I let this guide me, but when I follow Jesus, he surprises me in amazing ways that I could never imagine. Now here's the question. When you pull out the dream two, five, or ten years from now, he will exceed your dream in important ways you'll never imagine. Here's the verse, Ephesians. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Now, to him, Jesus, who is able, that means he has the power, he can do it if he wants, there's nothing he can't do. Now, to Jesus, who is able to do what? What's he going to do? Immeasurably more then you could imagine, that you could ask for, then you could put in any dream. He can do immeasurably be more. But how? According to his power. His power. Not yours. His power. And then where's it at work? It's at work within you. This is the incredibly amazing thing about this verse. He'll do more with his power within you. Now, I want you to notice a couple things. It doesn't say every time you want him to do something, he does it. It doesn't say he always gives you what you want in the way you want it. He doesn't. It says he chooses. He's God. If he does everything I want every time, that makes me God. No. Dream your best dream. It gives us direction. And when you follow him, He'll give you a life beyond your dream. Now, I can hear some of you wanting to ask me a question, so I'll answer that. Here's the question. Dave, how can you, of all people, teach this? Your dream was smashed in a car wreck in Florida three years ago when you lost Ben, Charlie, and Bailey, your son and two grandchildren. They died, and all you could do is groan. We were actually at that meeting, some of you would say, three years ago, right in this room, and you say, I saw your pain, Dave. I, saw, I heard your groaning. I heard your tears. We watched you filled with pain. How can you teach? How can you teach? Follow Christ, and he'll exceed your dream. I want to share three things I've learned. 
And I think this is of importance to college students and young married couples and older folks. Three things. As we dream again and follow Jesus, there will be much pain. And you know this. And the church ought to talk about this. Life can be brutal. There will be pain, loss, grief, heartbreak, disappointment, divorce, betrayal, sickness that you don't see coming. You'll be surprised by how brutal life can be. Faith in Jesus was never intended to make your life easy or comfortable. It was never a promise of God that you're going to be comfortable or pain-free. That was never, that's absolutely bad teaching. Faith in Jesus, here it is, will not make your life easy or comfortable or pain-free. But faith in Jesus will give you the strength inside, the verse inside you, to walk through the pain, to walk through the struggle. And sometimes you can even do it, sometimes, with some measure of peace and joy. God comforts. God does not make your life comfortable. Pain, loss, and death is a part of living in a broken world. That's why I can say with so much confidence, storms will come into your life. The Bible says it. Storms will come. And how do you walk through it? You build on the rock. And Jesus said, in this world, in this world, you will have trouble. Trouble's coming. But rejoice, for I have overcome the world. Dreams die. I had a dream written down in a drawer four years ago. I wanted to be a force for good and a force for God in the lives of my seven children and 11 grandkids. That was actually written down on a dream. And then in an instant, my son Ben and two grandchildren were killed in a car accident in Florida. I was crushed. I was numb. I was devastated. I felt deep, deep pain. I still feel it. Tomorrow is Charlie's fourth birthday since he went to heaven. Tomorrow. He would have been 15. I'll go to the gravesite and I'll talk to him. And I'll light a 15 candles on a cake and I'll sing to him. I know and you know that pain in this world does not automatically go away. It's something we walk in. There will be much pain. Here's something new I'm learning. At the point of great pain, as soon as we are able, we should dream again. At the point of great pain, as soon as we are able. Now, how soon is that? I don't know. It might be minutes. It might be days, weeks. It might be months. It might be decades. As soon as we're able, we need to dream again. It may take different times. Pain is fertile soil for dreaming again. Are you a widow or a widower? And you go, when I lost my spouse, I lost everything. Feel the pain. Walk in the pain. Experience the pain. Lament. All those things we've been teaching this couple years. But then there comes a time where you dream again. What's the new dream for me? When I got the news of Ben's death, Ben, Charlie, and Bailey's, on the phone, I actually had another dream on the paper that year, and this was the dream. Whenever our kids get into trouble, 
I'm going to move towards them. I started that dream in, in, when my kids were teenagers because I always knew, what, as a youth director, I always knew when your kids start to act out as teenagers, college students, listen to this because someday you'll be in this, and, uh, then what you need from your parents is you need your parents to not put up walls or restate goals. You need your parents to move closer to you. And so I had had for a long time, here's my goal. When my kids struggle, I'm going to move even closer to them. So when I got the call, it was automatic. I'll be in my car headed to Florida in an hour because I'm going to move closer to the pain and the struggle, right? So then I'm in Florida, fertile ground for, I mean, pain, pain, pain like I've never experienced, groaning. But you could still dream. We started to have a dream. Could we have a funeral that would celebrate the life of Ben, Charlie, and Bailey in a way that would be honorable to them and would honor Christ? And people started putting in what we could do, and then we had that funeral. And it did honor their lives, and it did honor Christ. And I looked yesterday, 58,000 people have viewed the funeral. Then I had a dream and a desire that our family could stand together, could walk through the pain. And then God did one of those surprising things you could never dream. I'm with Em and Jason, my daughter and son-in-law. They said, hey, Dad, we're, we're moving to town before school starts. You can't dream up stuff like that. And then a few months later, my son says to me, my oldest son, Dad, I'm moving back. I'm taking a job. You can't dream up stuff like that. As we dream again and follow Jesus, there will be much pain. Second thing, we cannot be deceived by the externals. These scriptural principles that we're talking about, that Jesus will give you life to the full, that you need to surrender your dream and chase after Jesus, these scriptural principles we're talking about, they're true no matter what your externals are. And we have so much trouble with that in America. We have so much trouble. These are true whether you're healthy and fit or whether your body's filled with disease and you're near death. The principles are true. These are true whether you're a middle-class income person in North America or you're a mom who's raising her family in a cardboard box in a dump in Kenya. The principles are true. They're true if you're a dad trying to raise your family in Haiti in a mud hut on $1 a day. They're true. We, we overemphasize externals. And we get them confused. Most of you would say it's going to be a good thing if you win the lottery. But the truth of the matter is, it's an external, and the lottery actually often hurts several generations of people in that family. And we would say externally, it seems really good to get a large inheritance. But if you actually look, it divides families and causes pain a lot. A disease attacking my body seems like a bad external, except for I've seen it help people become followers of Jesus 
and start to love God, to the which point of which several people in their uh, later life in, 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 in bed said, Dave, I'm thankful for the disease because I never stopped to follow Jesus before. Externals, we get so confused about them. Pastors in Mozambique who live and minister in mud huts who cannot read, who have no electricity and have never been to school, I go on a mission trip to sit with them and teach them. And do you know who learns the most? There is not a question. I do. They walk 13 hours through three rivers to get to this place where they think I'm teaching them something. And they teach me. Don't get confused about externals. Don't be deceived. And then number three, as we dream again and follow Jesus, this life is not all there is. We have an incredible promise from God that all things will be redeemed and made completely right one day. Kurt Vanderweel's been teaching that Jesus said over and over again, the kingdom's near. And as I become a follower of Jesus, that's the first step into his kingdom. And now we're living, we're living in his kingdom and we can feel his presence and we can see his good gifts. And then one day we'll die and everything will be made completely new. And you, some of you know I've been studying this for a while because Ben, Charlie, and Bailey and a couple of Len and Mai's parents are there. My mom's there and I want to know about heaven. And actually the best I can are the verses that says every good gift will be redeemed there. So do you enjoy something on this planet? Do you enjoy whitewater rafting? Do you enjoy mountain climbing? Do you enjoy a good sunset? Or do you enjoy holding a, a freshborn baby? That's a hint of a blessing that you'll have in heaven. That's a hint of a blessing you'll have in heaven. One day, everything's new. There's no death, no sadness. Now, it doesn't mean we just wait for that day. What we do is we write our dreams, we chase after Jesus. He helps us experience a lot of these good gifts here, and then one day we have it all. So what is your dream? What is it going to take for you to write it down? Surrender the dream, chase after Christ. Story is told of a Russian pianist, top Russian pianist called, named Ignis Paderewski. He was doing a concert tour in the U.S. in concert halls, and he was in New York City doing a black tie gown event in downtown New York City. Young mom wants to bring her son because she wants her son to fall in love with the piano. So she brings her son in. Did I say black tie, evening gown affair? And she has toys for him, and she has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for him. And she sits down, and she turns to speak to the person next to her, and her son sees that grand piano in the spotlight on the stage. And he gets out of his seat, and he races down the aisle, and he clams, climbs on the bench of the grand piano. He puts his peanut butter and jelly sandwich up on the piano, and he takes his peanut butter fingers, and he starts to play the only song he knows, Chopsticks. And in the audience, a guy in the back says, hey, where's his mom? And you know what his mom does, bends down in the seat and goes, yeah, whose mom is that? Who's, where is that kid's mom, right? And another guy goes, I didn't pay money for this. And Ignis Paderewski 
behind the curtain on the side of the stage. He looks out and he realizes what's happening. He slips on his tux. He comes out to the piano. He leans down over the little boy. And he says, play, play, just keep playing. And he starts to improvise an amazing concerto over chopsticks. He says, play, 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 just keep playing. All of a sudden, somebody from the back says, wow, who would have ever dreamed of starting a concert like this? This is like amazing. And everybody's cheering and on their feet. When you write your dream, it's true. You're a little kid with peanut butter fingers sitting at the keyboard of life writing your dream. And you and I have a God who's off stage. And he sees what we're doing. He slips on his tuxedo and he comes out and he makes your life into an amazing piece of music. And people watch and they go, how did that happen? I was actually thinking about that today. I'm up here talking to a couple thousand people about Jesus. How did that happen? God slipped on a tux and made a beautiful piece of music out of my chopsticks. He wants to do the same thing for you. So where are we in the service? This is where we are. I don't know if you've noticed this, but every moment of your life isn't of equal value. There are some moments that have more value, that have more directional power. There's the time where some of you gave your life to Jesus for the first time. That's a powerful moment. There's the time where some of you committed to a spouse for as long as you both shall live. That's a powerful directional moment. I've been thinking maybe for somebody, some persons in this room, right now, could be a powerful moment of direction. And I was thinking, who might that be? That might be people who have actually been chasing the dream, and they might actually have gotten it and found out it's an empty bag. Because without Jesus, it isn't going to do anything. There might be some of you walked in and thought, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too sick to dream again a dream that's worthy of my life. There might be some of you who have never given all that you know of yourself and don't know of yourself to all that you know and don't know of God. And maybe you could whisper that. So the band members are going to sing a song, a powerful song, and you can listen to the songs or you can whisper something to Jesus. Or if you have a pencil and you want to write on that program you got, you could put two or three words that are going to turn into your dreams while these guys sing this song. I close my eyes and colors fly. There's no hiding from your grace. I can't deny your heart for mine. And it's unrelenting chase I was on the edge of deception Caught up in my own hesitation Until your love took over me So I let go and I let love show me 
life like it's supposed to be. An oasis here awaits us, all the freedom I'll ever need. Now I'm alive. When I let go, then I find life. When I let go, then I find life. The higher way is calling me to life unlike before. The Father's heart is beckoning, and I can't resist no more. Lead me in the ways of devotion. I don't want to get caught in emotions. My heart is on. For you, Lord. So I let go and I let life show me life like it's supposed to be. And oasis here awaits us all the freedom I'll ever need. Now I'm alive. When I let go, then I find life. Let's pray together. Dear God, we desperately need you to find life. Father, we uh, need you in so many ways. We need you to understand our pain. We need you to give us strength to walk through pain. We need you to uh, help us dream again and again and again. We need you to help our relationships work right. We need you to help us with this next school year. We need you to comfort our fear. We need you. And we come this morning and we acknowledge that we need you and we worship you. And Father, with open hands, with open hands, we surrender our futures to you, those of us who know you. And Father, those who don't know you, it's okay. We ask you to help them take steps towards knowing you. And those of us who do, we open our hands and we say, Lord, take our lives and make them something extraordinary. Take our chopsticks and make it a wonderful piece of music to your glory and so that we could have life to the full. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Do it, Tim. Oh, la la. Oh, la la. Yay, God.
Take your peanut butter fingers and dream again and watch God make a wonderful piece of music out of your life. He'll do it. He's great. Go and uh, have a great weekend. College students, remember your lunch is right outside, in, in the building right here. Hey, thanks for being here. See ya.